the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Check out monorail.com, America's affordable investment app made for conservatives who want to keep their hard-earned money with companies that share their value. Download the Monorail app today. Join Monorail. Hello, my friends. Dennis Prager here. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Well, there's a reason. Somebody unclipped my earphone. That's one of those dirty tricks the uh, people play at midnight who come in here. Hi, everybody. Good to be with you. It is difficult for me to express how bad a human being our president is because I've never done that, and I have been broadcasting 40 years, Democratic presidents, Democratic politicians, with whom I differed entirely, thought they were making the country worse, like Barack Obama. Nevertheless, it it never even occurred to me uh, to say what I say about the bad person who occupies the White House. It's, It's hard to know what the man stands for, since he's so corrupt, and will say anything or do anything for political ends. But it is hard to know what he stands for because almost everything he does makes this country a worse country. In other words, if we had someone who said, I hate America and I will do whatever I can as president to destroy it, he would do the same thing Joe Biden is doing. And he, he is a, a liar. Everybody has told a lie in life, but he's a liar. Now he has gone beyond all of that in his uh, attack on those who want to protect children from the uniquely American evil of giving little kids or giving prepubescent adolescents or even pubescent adolescents, hormone blockers, and even surgeries to deform them, to completely deform them. People who want to stop that, and it, it has been stopped. I, I read to you yesterday from the British Medical Journal, which condemned American doctors. I've never seen a medical journal of, of distinction that has uh, basically stated that the physicians of of another country are doing terrible things. And they are. So those of us who wish to stop it, we uh, we are described by Joe Biden in this 30-second clip that you will hear. What's going on in Florida is, as my mother would say, close to sinful. I mean, it's just terrible what they're doing. It's not like, you know, a kid wakes up one morning and says, you know, 
I decided I want to become a man or I want to become a woman or I want to change. I mean, what, 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 what are they thinking about here? They're human beings. They love, they have feelings, they have inclinations that are, I mean, it, it just to me is, I don't know, it, it's cruel. And the way we do it is we make sure we pass legislation like we passed on same-sex marriage. You mess with that, you're breaking the law, and you're going to be held accountable. Right. If you mess with that, that's right. So if you stop a 16- or 18-year-old girl from having her breasts removed, her healthy breasts, or if you stop them from castrating a male because he says he's a female, you should be arrested. The heroes are the people doing this. This is the world of the Democratic Party. It's not just the world of Joe Biden. Will there be one Democrat to say, I I differ? One? Got an answer from my producer. Begins with an N. Nope. Yes. Close to sinful and criminal. Should be rendered criminal. Joe Biden has read what the British Medical Journal said about America's castrating and deforming and mutilating kids uh, as much as I have read the Mongolian daily paper yesterday. if If this does not persuade you to vote Republican... I, I just have to ask, what level of evil does, does the Democratic Party have to descend to in order for you to vote Republican? And the odds are there isn't any. Because it can't get lower than what they're doing to children. Like the teachers' unions, a vile, vile child-hurting organization. Well... That's that's the story. It's hard to believe, isn't it? It's just hard to believe. I mean, I I wasn't alive, but I, I in retrospect, I'm no fan of Franklin D. Roosevelt in many ways, but this is not the party of Franklin Roosevelt. This is not the party of Harry Truman, of John Kennedy. It's not even the party of Bill Clinton. It'd be very interesting. I, don't, I haven't heard Bill Clinton on mutilating children in the name of transgender ideology. And by the way, I think I should point out to you, I hope I printed it out, because this is important for people to know. And let's see here. Yep, I did print it out. Dennis, well done. Pope Francis said in an interview published Friday... That, quote, gender ideology, this is exactly what Michael Knowles said, by the way. The Pope of the Catholic Church said the same thing Michael Knowles said. Is among the, quote, most dangerous ideological colonizations, unquote, I don't know what he means by colonizations, today, according to a recent interview with La Nación, an Argentinian media outlet. Francis said that gender ideology has created one of the most dangerous ideologies in recent history because of the way it blurs the lines between men and women, according to a translation of his remarks to La Nación by the Catholic News Agency. Francis explained that, quote, all humanity is the tension of differences. By the way, for the record, 25 years ago, 
no, more, 30 years ago, I wrote a, an essay, The War Against Differences, and said it would lead to tyranny. I do have clarity on the moral in the moral sphere. Uh, it may sound like I'm bragging, I couldn't care less. It's either true or not true. And I have a good bank account in that regard. That's exactly right. It, uh, it, all humanity is the tension of differences. As I write in my Bible commentary, which is the source of my knowledge of this fact, in the rational Bible, there are differences that are biblical and that are immutable, good and evil, man and animal, man and God, holy and profane, man and woman. The left has blurred every one of those distinctions, every single one. The world rests on those distinctions, my friends. Civilization rests on them. Democratic Party, which is the party of the left, not of liberalism, is crushing our civilization. The first residue, the first victims are children, as so often the case. The Pope, why is it dangerous? Okay, because it blurs differences and the value of men and women. The question of gender is diluting the differences and making the world the same, all dull, all alike, and that is contrary to the human vocation. God, is that ever true? It's dull. The left world is a dystopia of joyless life. The joyless, and the left is joyless. The joyless loathe joy. It's like there are two types of unhappy people. Those who wish to become happy and those who wish to make the happy unhappy. The latter are the left. They're unhappy and they want you to be unhappy. They are joyless. They want you to be joyless. One of the great glories of growing up as a kid in a normal society, which we are no longer, was figuring out how do I relate to the other sex. At a, at a fairly early age, you figure that out. One of the things boys think of, and it's a healthy thing, is, oh man, I don't, I don't want to be a girl. It was a defining element in being a boy. I don't want to be a girl. And girls loved that about boys because they didn't want girls. They wanted boys. They don't want boys now. They don't know what they want. It's one of the reasons it's the most depressed generation of young women in the history of the United States. More residue of the left's war on society. one Prager 776 I'd like to introduce you to Monorail, America's investment app that takes you from where you are to where you want to be. Monorail is an investment and savings app that is made for patriots by patriots. Doesn't matter whether you're an Apple fan or if you prefer Android, Monorail is available in both environments and online at monorail.com. Monorail is safer for users with bank-level encryption and biometrics. Your money is protected with Monorail through Securities Investor Protection Corporation and the FDIC. 
No matter how you engage with Monorail, you're getting the security and safety that you need. Whether you're adding funds to your investment account, looking to buy a stock, or putting money aside for future purchases. With Monorail, you can put your money where it matters and utilize the economic power that built this country. Don't go somewhere else to trade stocks. Monorail gives you the freedom to purchase whole or fractional shares in companies you believe in. It only takes five minutes to download the app and set up. Join the pro-America money movement. Join Monorail. Yes, so what do you think? The Pope has come out and called it a a civilization, an opposition to civilization as we know it, the trans ideology. Of course it is. How, you know, uh, one of the uh, one of the activist atheists. I think it was Dawkins. I say I think because I may be wrong, but a a major atheist activist said the following. Said something to the effect, "People do bad, but you need religion to do real evil." Given that it was all secular governments, with the exception of the Turkish regime's mass murder of Armenians, that did the great evils of the 20th century, unprecedented in, in any period of time like that, what communism and, uh, and Nazism, mostly in terms of numbers, communism, secular, uh, secular ideologies... Remember, the symbol of the Nazis was not a cross. It was a twisted cross, as they say, the swastika. There were certainly uh, believing Christians in the movement that their failure is, the, is, is terrible. Nevertheless, it wasn't the Christian movement. But that's what they said. So here is what I would counter. It is true. You need an ideology to do really, really great evil. The, the mass murderer, the rapist, uh, the kidnapper of children, these people do horrible evil, but it isn't mass evil. Mass evil is done by ideologies, and overwhelmingly, in fact, almost exclusively, with the exception of Rwanda last century, was all done by big governments. People are big fans of big governments, and they never ask, gee, is there a price paid? in terms of uh, uh, human destruction. But anyway, once you ask, is there a price paid, you become a conservative. It's never a question. Joe Biden doesn't ask, gee, what is the price we pay for abetting transgender ideology among children? What is the price paid? Gee, what is the price paid for printing too much money? So as to dilute the most important currency in the world and thereby our very security. No price. Just do it. Feels good. Works now, and I get elected. If indeed he gets elected. It was said many years ago that the day that politicians realize that they can be elected by giving people money or things... That is the beginning of the end of that democracy. That's exactly what has happened. The Democratic Party's raison d'etre 
is to be elected and gain power and increase the size of government like Jimmy Carter did with the Department of Education, whose record has basically been to destroy American education. Kids know so much less today than they did 20 or 30 years ago, let alone 100 years ago. Compare an 8th grade writing to an 8th grade writing today, and you will weep. 100 years ago, read what Civil War soldiers wrote in letters, how they wrote, how, how their command of English, their vocabulary. Many of them didn't finish elementary school, and certainly not high school. Hmm. Yep. I'm thinking about something I said last week. Any house that could afford it until the middle of the 20th century. Basically, you could be certain had two items, a Bible and a piano. Piano without a Bible produces often morally empty people. And a Bible without a piano makes an unworldly religious person. God wants beauty in our lives. The left is the movement that finds God-based religion vile for good reason, because that competes with what they say. If Pope Francis was the most liberal pope we have ever had, and in some instances even on the left, like in his anti-capitalism pronouncements, if he says gender ideology is destroying civilization, that's a, that's a proof that the only resistance, organized resistance, not individual resistance to the left is from religion. I wish more pastors, priests, and rabbis spoke out. But they don't. Courage is rare. The Pope said that the idea of allowing people to identify as male, female, or non-binary reminded him of a 1907 book titled Lord of the World. Are you familiar with that book? Me neither. Aren't you curious now? I'm very curious. By Monsignor Robert Hugh Benson. Francis explained the book showed a future where, quote, differences are disappearing and all things become uniform. Francis also dispelled rumors that he had been asked to write a document on the topic of gender, noting that he, quote, always distinguishes between what pastoral care is for people who have a different sexual orientation and what gender ideology is, according to La Nation. That's correct. Many years ago I asked what the T was doing in LGBT. One has nothing to do with the other. Well, we've got the battle of our lifetime. Natural disasters 
airline cancellations and runway near misses, supply chain issues, inflation, rising interest rates, and sky-high government debt. This is Dennis Prager for AmFed Coin and Bullion. There's a lot in the news about what consumers cannot control, so let's talk about what you can control. You can control how you choose to invest and protect your wealth. That's why I choose to do business with Nick Grovich and his company, AmFed Coin and Bullion. Now is a great time to own tangible assets like gold, silver, and platinum. With over 41 years' experience and tens of thousands of satisfied clients, Nick will help you make informed decisions and show you smart choices, which have been proven winners time and time again. AmFed Coin and Bullion will sell you the right types of precious metals to get the maximum value for your money. Take control of your investments like I did. Call Nick and his team at AmFed Coin and Bullion at 800-221-7694. AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com. Well, I have a very different subject, and I I have a feeling that many of you will differ with me, which is perfectly legitimate, and actually healthy. Unlike the left, I welcome dissent. Don't suppress it or censor it. And it is about vaping. So here's a piece from the Daily Mail yesterday, and it's it's a very uh, anti-vaping piece, and parts of it I just don't understand, so perhaps others can help me. My, my view on vaping has been, from the beginning, that it is a wonderful alternative to cigarettes. That's what it was originally understood to be that you get your nicotine urge, which is the reason people smoke cigarettes, is to inhale nicotine. That's why uh, lumping cigars with cigarettes uh, is either willfully lying uh, or just ignorance. You don't inhale cigars. Cigars are smoked for taste of tobacco, not for nicotine whatever nicotine does to you, which I have no idea, though I've smoked cigars since I was 16 years old. I lived in a freer America. My parents didn't give a hoot. They would have... uh, They would have really come down on me if I smoked marijuana. And they were right. There's no comparison between tobacco and marijuana. And another issue that many have differed with me they, they would much prefer their child to smoke marijuana to cigarettes because cigarettes are more dangerous. Hmm. Dangerous to their health in 40 years is correct. Dangerous to their mental state now is not correct. And that's what I'm more worried about than a lung cancer 40 years later. Which, by the way, is a one in three chance with regard to cigarette smokers, according to the Lung Association. So vaping was a safe alternative, or so it was reputed to be, to smoking. However, what has happened, because I care about truth more than anything else, again, more than anything else, apparently, according to what I've read here, is that a lot of young people have taken to vaping period. 
not to give up smoking cigarettes, but because they wish to vape. And they become, the argument goes, addicted to nicotine. For the record, I have not read anything, and I really follow this subject, that has explained to me why that's bad. Why is it bad to be addicted to nicotine? Is it bad to be addicted to caffeine? I know people who are so addicted to caffeine, Jews, for example, who on Yom Kippur, when you're, you're not allowed to drink or eat for 24 hours, that they actually take a caffeine suppository because it's so difficult for them to go one day without coffee. So unless you're a Jew who fasts on Yom Kippur, what difference does it make if you are addicted to caffeine? As regards the argument, well, it's bad to be addicted to anything. I don't even know what that means. It's just a stupid argument. What if you're addicted to reading? I'm not kidding. I'm addicted to reading. I'd go nuts without reading. Just like people would go nuts without heroin. So am I addicted to reading? So I uh, maybe call me up if you know what the harmful effect is is of being addicted to caffeine or nicotine. Maybe maybe there is. I mean, truth has to be truth. But don't quote me the Mayo Clinic because they just lie uh, about this issue because on their website they write cigars are as dangerous as cigarettes. That's an out-and-out lie from one of the most distinguished medical sources in the country. And that is because beginning in the 60s or 70s, many scientists and physicians decided it is okay to lie to keep people healthy because they don't believe truth is the greatest value, as we have seen in the last two years. I'll read to you the anti-vape piece when we come back. Yeah, you can hear every hour of my show anytime you want without commercials at Pragertopia. It's also a, it's very inexpensive. It's like 5 or $6 a month. And people around the world use it. And it's a beautiful gift to give somebody who can't hear me all three hours for whatever reason. Some stations carry two. As an example, some people just can't do it every day. But I try to make every day really substantial and entertaining as well. It's at all at Pragertopia. Again, every hour commercial free whenever you want it. So, is an anti-vaping piece up at the Daily Mail. Vaping hit the mainstream in the 2010s and was viewed as a safe smoking cessation tool that could finally wean millions of tobacco users off cigarettes. Though it may seem foreign and outlandish now, there was a time not too long ago during which a person could vape indoors, even on hospital property in some cases. I still don't know why why that's banned. Forget hospitals. It's not smoke. It's it's vapor. Just just for the record, it is not smoke. Okay. And we continue. But scientific evidence pointing to their deleterious effects is piling up, 
and shows they cause nearly or as much damage as traditional cigarettes. See, I, I think that's a lie. I think it. I don't know it. The problem is I don't trust anything uh, coming out on any controversial issue uh, from uh, these medical authorities any longer. You have to pay a price. When the American Medical Association announces that the sex of a child should not be listed on a birth certificate because we don't know the sex of a child, when that is the official statement of the American Medical Association, when the American Academy of Pediatrics says that it is uh, start, defends the idea of removing girls' breasts because she says she's a boy, I'm supposed to listen to medical authorities? The amount of lying they did about masks, the amount of lying they did about vaccines for young people, they lie, and they lie, and they lie again. I don't trust anything from the NIH. I don't trust anything from the CDC. It is a very sad thing. I never spoke this way in my life before the last two years. So there's a price paid when you lie. When Fauci is your spokesman, when the CDC is trusted, when authorities say that restaurants must close and ruin the lives of untold numbers of Americans for no good reason, look at Sweden, which stayed open as proof. I, you then expect me to believe them on the next politically charged subject? This is politically charged, the tobacco vaping issue. Scientific evidence pointing to their deleterious effects is piling up. Experts fear that society-wide damage from vaping is done, and it's a doozy. Federal data suggests that about 14%, over 2.5 million, of American youth from 6th to 12th grades vape, while another study reported 1 in 20 American adults vape. That compares to just 1 in 10 Tobacco smokers. Do you understand that? I read that four times. Do you understand that? One in 20 American adults vape. That compares to just. What does it mean just? It's more. One in 10 is more than one in 20. They don't know what they're writing. They literally don't know what they're writing. This article is pathetic in the Daily Mail. It is propaganda. It is just agitprop, as they used to say in the Soviet Union. And while vape companies insist their products are meant to help smokers quit, health experts, as soon as I hear health experts, I know that there's a 50-50 chance it will be true. 50-50. It's a coin toss when I hear the term health experts. And advocates aren't buying it. Erica Sward, Assistant Vice President of National Advocacy for the American Lung Association, told DailyMail.com. What does that mean, Assistant Vice President for National Advocacy? Just out of curiosity, you have a clue what that means? National Advocacy of what? They're in favor of lungs? They're pro-lung? What does it mean? E-cigarettes are meant to sustain addiction in people who might otherwise quit or get help. They need to quit altogether. It is a product that continues to attract and sustain people as opposed to helping them actually end their addiction. Not a word about why it's so terrible. Hey, folks, would you rather your kid vape or smoke marijuana? I'd like to ask the American Lung Association that question. This is all emotional claptrap, in my opinion. By the way, I, I don't vape. Just for the record, I don't vape. 
One of my sons does. Uh, oh, and actually, my older son too. My my older son on occasion did, and he, it did end his cigarette use. He was never addicted, but he enjoyed them. It didn't bother me much. Marijuana bothered me. Drugs bothered me. Too much alcohol bothers me. What remains to be determined is the long-term health consequences to youth, including addiction caused by these products. Unfortunately, that information will only be learned in the years to come. Do you understand what I just read to, to people? They don't know what the long-term effects are. Well, if you don't know what the long-term effects are, why are you against it? It was an amazing thing for me to read. Wow. George in Miami, hello. Hey, Dennis, how's it going? All right, thank you. Yeah, so both my sons vape. One of them did it to, to stop smoking, and, and it did. It worked. Uh, and then my other one just picked it up. He never smoked. So I started doing some research, and there's a bunch of studies on mice that are starting to show you know, lung cancer, uh, bladder lesions develop, uh, and even it disrupts RNA in, in mice. So I would say that it, it's probably worth it to get off cigarettes, but for people that have never smoked, uh, it, it's not going to be good for you. Okay, I'll react as soon as we come back. Thank you for calling. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with my pillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free offer with promo code Prager. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listeners square to the buy one, get one free offer. Enter promo code Prager or call 800-761-6302 to get your MyPillow 2.0 now. Hey everybody, it's the male-female hour on the Dennis Prager Show, every Wednesday, the second hour of my show. I don't know the number, it's not knowable, but a large number of people have a better relationship, a better marriage, because of the male-female hour. I know this because of so many people telling me this. When I uh, go to give speeches and meet with people, what they call a VIP reception, people who pay extra to the group bringing me to have some time with me and take pictures. It it is really a a wonderful feeling that I have contributed to marriages and even to people who will get married. It happened yesterday in, in person, or yesterday, it happened this week. A couple came over to me, and the man said, I married because of you. I just want you to know that. A lot of men have said that to me. Men need men they admire to tell them to get married. Since they won't have men they admire, 
at college, most college professors are wimps, they won't tell them to get married. They won't tell them anything except how bad America is. That's, that's what they'll tell them. And that men and women don't really exist. It's all a subjective term. But when men that men admire tell them to get married, it, is a, it has on many men a, a very salutary effect. So, anyway, this is the most honest talk about men and women that I know of. The reason it is honest is, A, I love exploring life. B, I'm totally neutral. I'm not a man fan, and I'm not a woman fan. There are many awful men and many awful women and many wonderful men and many wonderful women. Period. End of issue. And also because I have no problem in talking about sexual matters should they arise. My, I give that credit completely to my father who spoke about sex with the same equanimity and openness that he would about religion, which was a favorite topic of his as well. He was, as I am, a religious Jew. But he was atypical. Most religious people don't talk about sex as openly as my father did. And it was a uh, it was a good thing. All right. So this is the male-female hour. Today's subject is women and sexual harassment. Every woman I know, literally every woman I know and spoke to, let's put it that way, and spoke to about the issue, and I've spoken to many, and certainly includes my wife, and includes my producer's wife, we were just discussing this, have been harassed at some point, indeed physically harassed, not raped, uh, but physically harassed. I've told the story in print and uh, on the air, I am sure, but certainly I know in print, that when my wife was a waitress in Los Angeles, the manager of the restaurant, which is part of a a famous chain of restaurants, would uh, regularly grope her. And she would put his hands away and continue serving uh, the... uh, serving the meals. Today, needless to say, that man would be fired and perhaps even prosecuted. And he would be uh, charged with sexual assault. A term which I no longer know what it means, because rape is called sexual assault and groping is called sexual assault. And unwanted touching is called sexual assault. Let me make something clear at the outset. I don't defend such male behavior, and I'll say even something more dramatic. I never once in my life engaged in it. What stopped me, I'll just mention this in passing, what stopped me was certainly not my libido. What stopped me was, A, I just thought it was improper. I thought it was wrong. And I have a very strong moral compass. But that wasn't the only reason. A big, big factor was my self-image. I have a very strong self-image of being dignified. I love dignity. It's one of my favorite words in the English language. And I, I just thought 
I didn't think well, I wouldn't think well of me if I did it. Third, I knew it was a pretty stupid way of having a woman respond positively to you. I can't think of a more idiotic thing to do in most cases than uh, begin with unwanted or unsolicited physical behavior. So I, my subject this hour is not a defense of such actions. Rather, it is a question of how do women deal with it. That's the question. My mother, uh, my father told the story that my mother, so we're talking, let's see, I would say we were talking about the 1940s, I would say. My father was was born in 1918, my mother in 1919. So yeah, it would have been, yeah, 1940 really, or even earlier than that, because they met when they were 20, 20 and 19 respectively. And so then they were dating for four years. And during that period, a, a, a physician groped my mother. It was a very attractive woman, as it happens. Attra- attractive, by the way, through her. Till she died at 89. And uh, my father uh, read the riot act to the doctor. And for all I know, I don't know exactly what the riot act consisted of. But knowing my father, he may well have said he'll break his wrist. (laughs) My father uh, was a no-nonsense, pretty macho guy. Anyway, uh, it, uh, it didn't ruin my mother's life. She moved on. It didn't ruin my wife's life. She moved on. But today, it's... It's considered you're considered a victim. It's it's in fact that's that's the that's the terminology, a victim of sexual assault. Now, of course, if you were raped, it is sexual assault, or any forced sexual uh, activity uh, is uh, is an assault. There's no question. So, groping is an assault too, but it's not in the same category of seriousness. I would think, let alone terminology. I mean, that's called sexual harassment, which I also don't defend, and I think a man is very foolish if he engages in it because he's not going to win a woman over. I I should write a little essay on how to attract women, not because I'm a a genius at, at the subject, but because of such common sense things that men should and shouldn't do that work and they and somebody needs to tell them that but that's so that's not going to work making sexual comments to women is a way to turn them off in most instances not turn them on unless they're already attracted to you and that's and you're in a you're in a relationship so 18 prager 776 how have you reacted if you're a woman to this harassment or even groping that I have mentioned. 18 Prager 776 Exploring Life on the Male Female Hour. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. 
we have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Well, everybody, watch out for that first step. It's a doozy. Exactly. Exactly. One of the great moments and one of the great films. Male, female, hour, 1-8, Prager, seven seven six. How have you reacted, if you're a woman, to sexual harassment, including groping, but not sexual assault of forced sexual activity uh, or comments? And how are women reacting today? And is it, well, is it a healthy reaction? So this is a subject of massive interest, how women react to sexual harassment. I mean, it's a very complex subject, and I, again, just to make it clear, I zero tolerate the idea of men doing it, because it's, it's wrong and it's stupid. You, will, you, you won't get anywhere in most cases. In fact, you'll probably turn the woman off. But at the same time, women, until the recent past, did not regard it as trauma. My wife was not traumatized by the manager at her restaurant where she was a waitress who groped her breasts. She pushed them away and then took the next order for a hamburger, which was a great act on her part because she's a vegetarian. (laughs) You didn't expect that. Thought it was a great act on our part because she wasn't traumatized. <laughs> uh, by the way, this is this subject is on the male-female hour, but it could truly be as well, and I might do it on the happiness hour, because you decide how to react to offensive things that happen to you. It is completely in your control. Whether or not you're traumatized, and, and I, don't, I don't mean by terrible things, if, if you were raped, lose a child, you lose, you lose your spouse. I mean, there, there are things that are truly shattering. I mean, you, you, still, you still have to fight to move on with life, but uh, I, I obviously recognize that some things are, to a certain extent, beyond your control, although even there, as Viktor Frankl, who went to, through the Holocaust and lost members of his family, wrote in one of the 10 books that most influenced me, Man's Search for Meaning, there is literally only one freedom you have in life that can't be taken from you, how you react to what happens to you. Charles Krauthammer, the great, great thinker, social commentator, 
columnist, Fox News chief commentary man for decades. He was uh, paralyzed from the uh, almost from the neck down. He was quadriplegic from an accident at Harvard Medical School. And his first decision was, I'm going to graduate with my class. Imagine that. And he did. They projected the books up to the ceiling so that since he couldn't turn a page, he would look up. People don't know how paralyzed he was because he was seated in a wheelchair when he did his commentaries on Fox News. Anyway, he decided how to react to what happened. And that's my belief about anything, including a woman who is harassed or even assaulted in in a non-sexual, in a non, uh, how should we say, activity manner like oral, forced oral or other penetrating sex. So that's the, uh, that's the subject. How did you deal with it? Since I th- virtually every woman, at least that I know, has had it. Okay, let's see. Karen in San Diego. Hello, thank you for calling. Hi, good morning. Hi. Um, I, I think you're incorrect. I don't think that you can say that we're like the gentleman that, you know, it depends you can decide how you want to deal with it. And that's because, like you said, every woman, virtually every woman has dealt with it their entire life. So by the time one trauma too much has happened to you and you speak your voice and you just get to the point where you say, no more, no more, then that one trauma is the trauma that takes you over the top. And that is the last trauma that you're willing to deal with. And that that was certainly my case where a doctor touched me inappropriately. And and then that was that was just the one time I couldn't take any more. All right, all right, let me ask you a few questions because uh, I'm really this is a, a, an hour in which I learn more than I more than any other thing. So, uh, what? First of all, what was he? Was an he? Was he an OBGYN? What? 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 Uh, what was his field? Yes, he he was an OBGYN. Right. Okay. So this is, of course, why I completely sympathize. And there were some terrific male OBGYNs. There's no question. But it's why I, I, I totally sympathize, even when there's no issue of, of inappropriate touching, why a woman might feel more comfortable with a female OBGYN. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I do get that. So he touched you inappropriately, and that was, what you're really saying is that was the last straw. That was just, the trauma from it was so over the top. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the trust factor. Did you did you push him away by, or, or did you push him away, or or you <laughs> felt intimidated because he was your doctor? I felt so overwhelmed in the moment and not knowing what to do. And was it and was it the first time you had seen him? No, I had seen him 
probably four, four or five times. Uh-huh. That's the first time uh, okay. he examined me. I see. All right. I hear you. Okay, we'll continue. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. It's a, a very tough subject, which is why I think it's so important to address. It's almost never addressed because we, we hear about sexual assault, sexual harassment, rape, and they're all sort of now thrown together. And I'm trying to dissect it for the sake of moral clarity and just clarity in general. So my, my assumption is virtually every woman, uh, virtually in every society, has been, uh, has been harassed slash groped Thank God, not sexually assaulted in terms of forced oral or other penetrating sex, but uh, certainly something. Every woman I know has. So my issue is, how, how did you react? How should you react? And the second question is never asked, because we live in a world where it is assumed you should regard it as traumatic. Look, if you have to understand, people come to campuses, this has nothing to do with sex. People, conservatives go to campuses and they're told that they have caused harm to a great number of students and faculty by coming. This just happened at Stanford, where a dean actually got up in front of a federal judge who was invited and said, your coming here is doing harm. So uh, we live in a high, the age of hypochondria and the age of narcissistic responses. If, if a conservative coming to a campus causes one emotional distress to the extent that one cannot tolerate it and gets extremely agitated, the issue is something wrong with the person. In other words, again, this is really critical. We decide how to react to what happens to us. That, that, that's just, that's the way life is. It's amazing that the same people who say you could decide to be the opposite sex think that you don't decide how to react to what happens to you. That's a given. It's just, I've been traumatized. So I only give all of that as a way of saying that a woman can determine how she reacts, just as in a far, far more serious and grave manner, Charles Krauthammer reacted to becoming paralyzed in a diving accident at medical school. Okay, so let's, uh, let's see here. Okay, uh, hmm, Katie, thank you for calling Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, you're a little muffled there. Can you speak, uh, in a, can, can we have a, can you hear me better uh, now? Oh, it's perfect. Thank you so much. Perfect. Um, I'm, I'm excited that you took my call. I, I listen to you all of the time and I'm, Happy to provide a maybe a little bit of a different perspective. That's why. My point that's why I took the call. Thank you. How old are you, by the way? I am twenty-five. 
Okay, thank you. Go ahead. Um, so what happened with me is that um, I was working in a restaurant, and uh, I was a manager, the owner of the restaurant, um, or the general manager, I guess you could say, operating partner. Um, basically, I tried to handle this the, the best way that I could figure out in the time. And uh, I was younger when it happened, and I just thought, you know, I'll just be polite. I don't want to, like, offend him or anything. Um, so I tried to, like, stave off any advances, but he was very, very um, intense. And I've told him, you know, multiple times, like, I'm married. I'm married. Like, please, <laughs> it's inappropriate. Please stop trying to make something out of it that it's not. Like, we just, we work well together. But so what? give me one example of, of something he did or said. Um, just constantly making remarks about my body mm-hmm. and um, how well I look doing things. Right. And Okay, I just for, by the way, for the record, for everybody listening, the guy's a jerk. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I was in such a weird position because he's my boss. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't anything super serious at the right. time. It was just right. things making me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, I'll be polite about it. I'll be polite about it. But eventually what happened was he just didn't take me seriously enough. Mm-hmm. And then one night while we were closing. Oh, I'd hold it. This is a, it's a dramatic point for me to stop you, but I have to. Don't, don't go away. I, I put you on hold. This is a very important subject. I have a lot to say to men about this, too. Hello, everybody. Dennis Prager here. One of the great dilemmas of my life is which university, which of the major universities in the country is the worst, is the most anti-education, anti-intellectual, most closed, most censorious, develops uh, the worst human beings among many of its students. So I read a, I read something from Yale, and I go, yeah, it's Yale. It's a true cesspool. Then I read about Penn. I go, yeah, no, it's Penn. And and it's 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 really the answer is it's like what is my favorite uh, symphony or concerto? As you know, I'm big into classical music, and I periodically conduct orchestras. And the answer is the one I'm listening to. That's usually my favorite. So I I, I don't have the worst, but I will say this. There are none worse than Stanford. Stanford has become a bad place. I read to you just last month, a few weeks ago, that they... uh, Oh no, I didn't. I don't know if I read to you. Did I tell about the snitching apparatus? No, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. I did about that. Uh, the list of of words not to yeah. be used, yeah. like American. Yeah. You should say what? What should you say? I forgot. Instead of American, oh, you, uh, United States citizen or something, because American is offensive to South Americans and North Americans who are also Americans. That's just Stanford. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't tell you about this. There's, there's just too much to report. 
They have a campus-wide system for reporting bias. It is like East Germany and the Stasi. You have people uh, reporting, snitching on one another at Stanford. And this is from the Moderate National Review. Well, so I, I told you about the Elimination of Harmful Language Initiative, ELI, E-H-L-I. Eli, Eli. Okay. For those of you who know Hebrew songs, you know what I was singing. Most of you don't. <laughs> but I did amuse myself with that. So uh, this is, uh, the, the newest thing is, listen to this. It all they, it includes a plan to provide financial rewards for finding or reporting that's their words the use of such language. Wow. As National Review puts it, it is time to ask just how close elite American universities will come to the tactics of say the People's Republic of China. Do you know I have been calling uh, the left for so many years essentially communist? Not liberals. Liberals are not communist. Liberals are not anti-communist. That was the, they, they were once, but they're not now. They're not anti-left, but they're not the same as left. But I actually read a critique which used a better term, Maoist. I think that's better. The left is Maoist because... In the Soviet Union, your speech was, of course, controlled, but your thoughts weren't. North Korea controls thoughts, and communist China does, or attempts to. So, yes, the left is Maoist. You know, there were kids, at, when I was at Columbia in the 70s, do you know that there were kids walking around with Mao's Red Book? And I remember thinking, do you know how many tens of millions of people Mao murdered? Do, do you know that I, I regard you as the same as somebody who would be walking around with, with a book with a swastika on it? But you should see my video at PragerU. Why do people hate Nazism and not communism? Anyway, uh, they so they they're they're calling on snitching. I'll talk to you about that another time. Uh, that's just a an introduction to my topic about Stanford, something that is just going on. When did this speech happen? On Sunday night was it? Was it last week? Yeah, it last, week. last week, an appellate judge from the Fifth Circuit, so a federal judge, uh, Stuart Duncan, went to speak at Stanford Law School a law school that once had prestige that is now a piece of crap. Uh, that's what it's done. That's what the left has done because remember, there is, and I say it every day because there's always a new example, the left destroys everything it touches. And all it does is destroy. It doesn't build anything except the state because of the power of desire on the left. So he went to speak. He was invited there by the Federalist Society, a conservative group. Imagine being a conservative on Stanford's campus. You know the definition of the word pariah. So Fifth Circuit appellate judge Stuart Kyle Duncan, who was shouted down by Stanford law law school students as administrators looked on in silence, 
says the protesters behaved like dog, and then he used the word for manure. He's right. That's exactly how they behaved. You have no idea, and I have no idea. Well, I have an idea, but I don't know exactly because I haven't seen a video. Is there a video up of the students screaming profanities? Yeah. There is? Yeah. Oh, bummer. We got to we gotta play it. Well, we'll, do, we'll do beeps. You can't really hear anything. It's oh, you can't? You just hear noise, screaming? Yeah. So they went to shout him down, and, and I will give you an idea of the level of many Stanford Law students. And please understand, these are your future judges and politicians, uh, my, my fear for my grandchildren uh, is manifold because there is no area of life that is not deteriorating rapidly in this country. By the way, I'm not telling you this to depress you. If you get depressed, it's, it's narcissistic. If you get depressed, it's not, you're not going to do anybody any good, okay? So don't get depressed. Fight. And by the way, fighting uh, fighting eliminates depression, just just for the record. When you feel that you, you've fought the good fight and are fighting the good fight, you don't get depressed. It's when you resign you get depressed. Duncan is calling on the school to discipline the students who disrupted his talk and to fire the school's associate dean of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Stanford has as many administrators as it does students, to the best of my knowledge, way more than it has faculty. The amount spent, by the way, you should never, ever, ever discount the power of money on the left. If you want to make a living in academia, you must be a leftist. You have no future. Was this black woman, she's a hero. We're going to talk about her at some California college. Have you read about her? Where she, where she was hired for diversity, equity, and inclusion, and she said, you know, this is really bad stuff. And they fired her. You, you cannot make a living in academia for all intents and purposes if you're not a leftist. And most people go where the money is. So all these administrators, many of them, most of them, I, I would assume, or many of them certainly, making well into six figures. Where can you make six figures for only doing harm? It's very difficult, only in academia. So this dean stepped in during the event to chastise the judge. I saw that. She didn't get up to chastise the students. She mentioned only in passing that they should let him speak, but she spent the rest of the time, nine of the ten minutes, berating the judge the Associate Dean of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. By the way, she's a former ACLU lawyer. Shock, eh? She stepped in during the event to chastise the judge and deliver what the judge described as a, quote, bizarre therapy session from hell. (laughs) I like this judge. Duncan's remarks come after nearly a hundred students at Stanford Law School disrupted his remarks in a brazen violation of Stanford University's free speech policies. The Stanford event, which is sponsored by the law school's chapter of the Federalist Society, got so out of hand that federal marshals eventually escorted Duncan from the building. 
Tyreen Steinbach, the school's diversity dean, arrived on the scene when Duncan himself asked for an administrator to restore order. She then took the podium, and a video that is now circulated widely online accused the judge of causing harm. That's right. If you bring in a a non-left idea to a university, you're causing harm, which is accurate. That I have to say. That is true. You harm the left when you show up at a university and say anything non-left. I've spoken at any number of universities, and I've always felt that in 90 minutes, I undid four years of lies and propaganda. And they know that. They're very insecure when we show up. All right, I'm talking to you about what happened at Stanford. Federal judge shows up, and, and they scream and scream. These are, these are fascist youths, and I say that literally. I don't say it to condemn them. Obviously, it condemns them, but that's not why I'm saying it. I believe that they are fascists. They remind me of the Hitler Youth. They remind me of the, uh, of the Communist Youth League, Komsomol. It's a very scary thing happening at our law schools and, and medical schools, for that matter, as I play for you their new pledge that they take to combat racism and announce what land they're standing on that's stolen. So the, the dean or associate dean of diversity, equity, and inclusion at Stanford got up at the speech where he couldn't speak because they were screaming the whole time. At the, again, this is Stanford Law School, second most prestigious after another a-hole institution, Yale Law School. By the way, if you donate any money to your alma mater, unless your alma mater is an extremely rare one, but if you do it to any mainstream school, you are doing harm to the country. May feel good to give to your alma mater, which actually did good for your life, but now it's doing bad for kids' lives. Don't give them a nickel. And if you have guts, tell them why. So she got up. And she said that the judge was causing harm. I watched her 10-minute her speech, which she had already prepared. Your opinions from the bench land as absolute disenfranchisement of the students' rights, Steinbeck said, accusing him of tearing the fabric of this community. Hmm. Well, I, as I said, literally she may be right. She is tearing, he is tearing the fabric of the left-wing community. It's true. Do you have something so incredibly important to say, she asked him, that is worth the, quote, division of these people? Note, conservatives are the dividers. The people who say America is systemically racist, the people who say men give birth, they're not divisive. The people who say America is not systemically racist and men do not give birth, they're the dividing group. (laughs) That's truly Orwellian. If enough of these kids get into the legal profession, Judge Duncan said, the rule of law will descend into barbarism. I like this guy. That's exactly correct. 
when I contemplate the future for my grandchildren, it uh, it is it is very discouraging. I admit it. I will, however, remind you of something I have now said for months. Despair is a sin. It's a line I got writing my fourth volume of Bible commentary on the book of Numbers, the fourth book of the Bible. One commentator on the spies, the Israelite spies story, which I won't get into now, came up with that line, and I think it's great. God himself declares despair is a sin. The protest is perhaps the most extreme example yet of law students shouting down conservative speakers. A similar incident occurred at Yale Law School last year when Kristen Wagner, I reported on that, a prominent Supreme Court litigator, was drowned out by hundreds of students protesting her views on transgender issues. Your future lawyers, politicians, judges. That's scary. But you'll still vote Democrat. There is nothing they could do to have you overcome the hurdle of believing Republicans are bad. Nothing. And they know it. They know it. There is no such thing as too far left. There's certainly too far right, but there's no too far left. It's like there's too religious, but there's no too secular. Also last year, students at the University of California Hastings at the law school at Berkeley disrupted a talk with the libertarian law professor Ilya Shapiro, shrieking and jeering each time he opened his mouth. That's what they do. They shriek and jeer. S and J. It's the S and J Law School. Many of the hundreds or so students on hand were holding profane signs. It's another thing you understand the barbarity of the of the left when you when you see the casual use of profanity. And the, if they even heard a person like me say this, they would they would uh, shriek and jeer. They don't see anything wrong. But I'll give you one example. Are you ready? I th- I know I can say this on the air, but uh, if your kid is listening, you'll you'll uh, just say you know it's not important that you know right now. Many of the hundred or so students on hand were holding profane signs, including one that declared, Duncan can't find the clit. You can't. It's not a curse word. It's not obscene. I thought about it. Each time Duncan began to speak, the protesters would heckle him with insults, shouting things like scumbag. Yeah, this is Stanford Law School, my friends. Wow. Liberals don't know how bad things are. Hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. They don't want to know what the left has done to this country. Too difficult, too much cognitive dissonance. The left is evil and liberals are lazy. 
Well, hi, everybody. March is fundraising month for PragerU. Pretty appropriate this hour. I'll tell you this. If your kid attended Prager University and not Stanford University, they would learn more, be a better human being, be wiser and deeper. Okay? I say that with no irony. And who is it? Bill Bennett's son said to me years ago when we had a quarter of the videos we have up now. Bill Bennett, famous drug czar, secretary of education, and he, he looked at me and he said, I learned more at PragerU than at Princeton. He had attended Princeton. That is true. Now, it's true. I mean, if you want to study botany, you have to go to a, a university. I agree. If it's science, technology, engineering, math, but otherwise, it's different. So please contribute and help us. The highlight of fundraising month, the two of the year that uh, the two months of the year that I do that, is interviewing young people to give you real hope for the future of the country. One such example is Bradley Davis. He was a member of Prager Force, the worldwide young people organization, about fifteen thousand plus members, and now actually works at PragerU. Bradley, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So your story is, how did you start politically? Well, I was actually pretty left-leaning when I started university and in high school. Um, we didn't really talk about politics, but it was a lot more of a social thing when it came to just a whole bunch of different issues, um, like the LGBTQ community and all of those types of things. We we were a very left-leaning school and a left-leaning community. So especially being a music major in university, I was kind of around that all the time. And I just started hearing Ben Shapiro first talking about facts and logic and, and presenting objective information. And over time, I made my way to the Fireside Chats and, and PragerU and I came closer to God. I came closer to objective reality and conservatism more broadly. Well, that's a, that's a good combination. I, I was, where, where did you go to university? I went to Cal State Northridge. Yeah, that's left-leaning. Uh, left leaning. Uh, Adam Carolla and I did a, a program there once, and we were not allowed to do it because I smoked a cigar on stage. So they believed that secondhand smoke at a gigantic auditorium from one cigar about 30 or 40 feet from the nearest person other than Adam would kill people. Oh, that was that's my Northridge experience. We end, So we ended up going another time. So what are you doing at PragerU? So I work with the uh, development team on fundraising. I do support staff and I also work with PragerForce. So I got to be a member and now I get to work with all of our wonderful members. And we're actually at 19,000 now. And we have people all over the world, people in China, Taiwan, Israel. It's it's a wonderful experience getting to meet all these people. Oh, I can only imagine. that That's 19,000 now. And I keep saying 15,000 plus, well, which is accurate, plus, plus 4,000. That, that is something. So how did PragerU affect you? What, what about it? Well, first it was the fireside chats and it was starting to teach me about things like personal responsibility, taking ownership over my life. And these were things that I felt 
were out of the question before. I used to think that, oh, I was dealt a bad hand of cards and my life's unfair. Things are too difficult. I can't take control of that and, and take initiative and try to solve my issues. I thought I was just doomed to be little or, or nothing and not get things done and just be miserable my whole life. But I came to PragerU and I started watching videos about these things, especially Jocko Willing. He does some videos and he talks about how taking problems is the only way you're going to solve them. The government, even other people in your life, they're not going to come fix them for you. And it also told me that the biggest problem in my life was myself, the biggest issue that I needed to solve. Right. I take credit for that one. That was all you. Yeah, yes. that that's one of my biggest themes of my life. You're the biggest problem in your life. The opposite of the left. You're terrific. America's the biggest problem in your life. That's that's their that's their message. So I'm going to come back to you in a moment. Uh, I'll tell you right now what I'm going to ask you. One is what's your favorite favorite PragerU video, and make a 30 second case for people donating. During this break, folks, I would ask you to please donate. We are one of the best hopes of the country at PragerU, a billion views a year, and 65% are under 35 years of age, like Bradley Davis. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 